What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. This week, it is just Jacob and myself. Steve is on a little vacation. Well-deserved. Uh, time to celebrate for that man. Uh, the Bucks got a big 120-100 to 100 win in Sunday's Game 3. So wherever Steve is, I know he's somewhere in Wisconsin. Uh, I'm sure he's on top of the world and probably still drunk from yesterday. But we're going to do a little recap of uh, of Game 3 and just sort of talk about this series in general and some of the trends and some of the things we can expect going forward but anyway uh jacob how you doing man oh man i am i am broken sports are a lie everything is darkness <laughs> all that good stuff let's fucking go let's talk about something other than you know what i've been living the past week in hell in yeah footballing hell yeah i heard that uh italy won the the ecf i was wondering who won the <laughs> western conference final <laughs> the yeah uh, yeah is that what you call it you guys always initialize everything so it makes sense you got like i saw the headline and i'm like well who's the wcf uh champion there <laughs> who's, who's italy playing in the finals um that's just they, my basketball brain that's sorry. <laughs> sorry sorry for uh for your loss man that's a that's a bummer um is, i was yeah. i was pulling for you nation i know steve steve wasn't old sabaloni was- i was pulling for you because it, i knew like as opposed to steve because I know it meant more to you, you know. Yeah. It'd be like if somebody was pulling for the Bucks because of Steve rather than the Suns because of me, because it means more to Steve. Like so it's pretty yeah. simple. So yeah, yeah. I was I was hoping you guys would pull that out, man. That was yeah. So you didn't get did, you didn't get your national holiday? We didn't. We were meant to get a holiday. This today was meant to be a holiday. It's not. But still, we got to experience our first ever final for fifty five years. So that was the first time even being in it. If for 50, it's the first time in that championship. It's the first time England have been in a major final for 55 years. So kind of like yeah. the Bucks. It's kind of like the Bucks. Yeah, it was actually it was 66. They were 74. Yeah, and we won it as well. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's 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 tough. But you know, we move on. We're on to Qatar in 18 months, and uh, yeah, unlike the Bucks, who who knows, they might just uh, be going back to Phoenix with a tied up series after this. We'll see. Yeah, well, they're definitely going back to Phoenix. We know that now. That has been set in stone um, in that they won yesterday. And, you know, I'm kind of pulling for Phoenix in this series, but I'm glad the Bucks won. And, you know, I just want to see this thing go like six or seven. I think it's got a lot of potential to be one of the uh, most evenly matched and just most overall fun NBA final series that we've seen. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. You know, I like not having LeBron in the finals and not having Steph in the finals, not having all those the usual superstars. It's like Giannis is a, a big superstar, but it's obviously the first time we've seen him on this stage. It's the first time we've seen Chris Paul on this stage. So it's just refreshing in that sense. Yeah, I thought the the narrative, the kind of the super fan narrative of like, yeah, there's not there's only like Giannis is like the only top ten player healthy in the conference finals. And that is quite atypical. Normally, I looked back on the last like 10, 20 years. Normally, there's like four, three, four, five of the top 10 players are in the conference finals every year. This year, we had Giannis and Kawhi, who was injured, but still. But um, I think the narrative was kind of skewed because we're like super fans to like casual fans, guys like Trey Young, Devin Booker. These are really like, you know, they are like, they have like a gravitational pull on casual fans because of their play style, because of how exciting they are. They don't care that these guys are like, you know, top 20 players, top 25 players in the league. They have, they have a gravitas to them. They, 
are able to draw people in. Like Trey is like a very common looking guy. It has that kind of Steph effect where, you know, he's really small. He's more relatable for a lot of people. You know, he's like David and Goliath. Devin Booker has like a real swagger to his game. I think people overestimate the importance of having the best players at these stages when for casual fans, and we're seeing like the ratings are slightly higher than they were last year with LeBron in the finals. And I think that's some of that's to do with the fact that we kind of, we overemphasize the best players instead of the players that people actually want to watch. And when they watch, they really enjoy guys like Trey Young, like, you know, Devin Booker, like Donovan Mitchell, these type of guys. So I, I'm still like, I've, I've been loving these playoffs because like you say we have no idea I thought Utah was going to beat the Clippers the Clippers smashed through them I thought the Clippers might give Phoenix a run for their money the the Phoenix kind of handled them pretty well and yeah with this finals I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen I think both sides have really strong strengths but they have quite glaring weaknesses that you know maybe are slightly atypical of the like the juggernaut champions we've seen like these 17 and 18 warriors or like the top heavy Lakers of last year. These teams aren't really like that. And I, yeah, it's a, it's a welcome change, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think if you were to handpick a final, like, I don't know if you could come up with a more evenly matched final than this, uh, mm-hmm. but they're very different style teams, especially now with Phoenix, unfortunately, Sarge going down with that ACL, like all of a sudden, they're a really small team. You know, as soon as Aiton's off the floor, which we saw in game three, they get they get real small. And and the Bucks, uh, if nothing else, are big. They they mm-hmm. they are a big giant team. And uh it's so we're sort of seeing these this contrasting styles, but it ends up being a uh very even matchup, I think. And you know, Phoenix got the first two at home. I I don't think a home team is gonna lose in this series. And I think yeah. part I, I you know, I, I just think part of that is how Sort of how evenly matched these teams are, but also just how great their their home crowds are. I think they both have massive home court advantages. And I'll be surprised if up until Game 7, because I feel like anything can happen in Game 7, but up until that point, through the first six, I really feel like the home team's going to win every game if I had to put money on it. Yeah, I'm – yeah. Like I was thinking like projecting this series forward earlier before we started recording, and I was like – I mean, I can really see Milwaukee winning – Phoenix coming back, Milwaukee coming back. Like this series already just screams seven games. I think these teams are too evenly matched and it would really take a collapse from one or the other for, I think for this not to go seven. And then it comes down to can Milwaukee win in Phoenix? Cause Phoenix, they just, they kind of have the advantage in this series right now, which they've earned from getting the higher seed, but that might be the deciding factor here. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're sitting pretty still, even after last night's big loss, it's still, they're still up. Two to one, they still have home court advantage. They sure, certainly shouldn't be panicking, you know, because of that, because of Sunday's loss. I think if anything, their lack of depth is is the biggest concern. That's going to be a real problem. And we talked, Steve and I talked about this on the last pod that we did, where it's like, if Aiton gets in foul trouble, they're fucked. Because like, mm-hmm. not even that Aiton's like some elite matchup against Giannis. He can he does a pretty good job on him, but like. When Aiden's not in there, like they they can't stop Giannis, and that's what we've seen the last two games, and especially on Sunday when Aiden finally got in legitimate foul trouble, where Giannis just ran rough shot over those guys. Like Frank Kaminsky, I think he's been picked on enough, but why not pick on him a little more? <laughs> he, when, I just felt like 
every stretch where he was in the game, it just got out of hand. I mean, he had some truly pathetic defensive sequences. He's unplayable in this series, especially. So I don't know what the answer is there because uh, they don't have the only other option they have that they haven't used yet is their rookie Jalen Smith out of Maryland, the number 10 pick in the draft, the guy they took over Tyrese Halliburton. Um, mm-hmm. He might have to see the floor. I can't imagine him being any worse than Kaminsky's been. So that obviously that's the main thing they got to figure out is what the hell are we going to do about Giannis? I mean, you're not going to stop him, but you also have to do a better job on him than you did in games two and three. And it's just, uh, you got to keep Aiton on the floor. Like I said, on the last podcast with Steve, like he's just as important to this team as Booker or Chris Paul right now, because Mm -hmm. he's their only true big. They cannot survive with him off the floor in this matchup. Like I think Crowder can do a good job playing small ball five, in a lot of matchups, but Giannis is just so much bigger than Crowder, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Torrey Craig, whoever. I mean, he towers over these guys. It, mm-hmm. That was, I don't think he took a jump shot last night. I mean, maybe a couple, but like everything was at the rim, just dunks. Mm-hmm. I don't think he missed at the rim. It was just all easy, easy, easy. So addressing that is easier said than done, but um, no more Frank Kaminsky. Okay, Monty Williams, like <laughs> keep him glued to the bench, man. Like, give me some, give me some Jalen Smith at least. I mean, it, it, he can't be any worse than Frank, and that's not putting the, all the blame on Frank. Frank's more just like a symptom of their extreme uh, lack of front court depth at this point. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's not like it's meant to be a slight on Frank Kaminsky, but you're not really, you shouldn't really be playing in this matchup. It's not a good matchup for you. And you shouldn't be getting minutes on a finals team, really, in general, which maybe that's a bit of an insult. But you know what? He he should know who he is by now. He's a veteran. I do agree. DeAndre Ayton, I think on the offensive end as well, he's been very important for the Phoenix Suns and them losing him, I think, because what one thing I noticed is that kind of they really, the Bucks. I think, need Brooke Lopez out there to keep Aiton off the glass when they get Brooke out there. Cause you know, he doesn't grab a lot of rebounds, but he's a consummate professional in, um, you know, boxing out down in the post. Like he's really intelligent and he really teams rebounds so much better with him on the floor than with him out. So they kind of need Brooke Lopez out there to um, counteract DeAndre and to stop Aiton from grabbing, you know, 15 boards, 20 boards a game. The problem is though, that having him out there to stop Aiton is also giving kind of Chris Paul and Devin Booker like a free ride because they can just get switched onto Lopez whenever they want because the pick and roll with Aiton is so deadly. And then suddenly Brooks on an island against Chris Paul and or Devin Booker and they're just getting mid-rangers at will. So there's a kind of knock-on effect of having DeAndre Aiton and getting these kind of favorable matchups. And one thing I thought that was quite important in game three was um, Lopez has been averaging about 26 minutes for the Bucks through games one and two. And he was down to 20 minutes in game three. They were able to kind of run more Giannis at the five lineups with eight and out because they were like, we're still going to dominate on the boards, even with Giannis at the five and, you know, a smaller lineup out there because the Suns don't really have anyone who can challenge on the glass like that. There's not really... You know, Jay Crowder's all right, but like you say, Giannis is like four inches tall than him. 
like it's it not leaves. really a yeah, yeah like it's not a comparison so that's where i think there is like extra knock-on effects where it might be that Aiton is actually like the most important player for the suns in terms mm-hmm. of offense and defense not just what he can do but like what he opens up for the rest of the team and the unfavorable matchups he creates for the Bucks, like I say, them having to play Lopez a lot more minutes, whereas they could go to more Bobby Portis minutes with um, Aiden in foul trouble. And Bobby Portis, he catches fire, hits a couple threes. Suddenly, you know, Middleton and Drew Holiday hitting their threes as well a bit more than they have been. And the Bucks just buried them in that third game. Yeah, no, I think you're right, man. I think you make a good point with, with Aiden. Like, he, he's so important and so much hinges on whether or not he's on the floor and I don't know how much they matched Brooks minutes with Aiton's last night, but I do believe it was a lot. And even if you look at their plus minus Brook was plus six, Aiton was minus six. So I think there was a lot of overlap there. And like you said, when, as soon as Aiton gets in foul trouble, that's when you can run that Giannis and Bobby Portis lineup, which against that Phoenix lineup without Aiton becomes a death lineup. And that's what it was last night. Portis was plus 19. I mean, they absolutely killed Phoenix in those minutes. So, yeah, if, if Aiton's on the court, you, you kind of got to play Brooke, like you said. But if Aiton's out, you can just play Portis, and and that is lethal, as we saw last night. Mm-hmm. Drew came alive. That was a big thing that you know we probably should talk about with the Bucs, <laughs> because obviously he was um, subpar, to say the least, uh, or to say the most, in games one and two, and then... Uh, last night on Sunday night in game three, he went for 21 points, five rebounds, nine assists, eight of 14 shooting. He hit five three pointers out of 10 uh, and was a game high plus 22. So uh, great game for Drew. That was the bounce back. All Bucks fans wanted to see. That's the Drew that we know and love. So if he can keep that up, that's going to be huge. You know, whatever was going on with him, I, I don't know what it was. Just looked a little out of sorts the first couple of games. Looked like himself last night, so that was huge. They need him, and that be that was clear yeah. in Game Three. Yeah, I think um, my issue with this Bucks team is because they should have they have the best player in the series. Like, I think Giannis is at least two tiers above, like whoever you want to say is the next best. Yeah. Like, he has a legit top five player in the league. I don't think there's really another top player top three player. Even yeah, like whatever so. you want to put him, he is yeah, like yeah. in the highest echelon. I don't think there's another player in this, whether you want to say Chris Paul or like, I I think there's a fair argument. There's not another top 15 player in this series. No, I think there's a fair, like, like you can, you can argue Booker, you can argue CP3, whatever. Nah, like, yeah, it's whatever. No, it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But they need Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to be hitting shots to really maximize this team. And they just haven't been like, they've both been, pretty inconsistent these playoffs actually knocking down shots and that's really what you need around Giannis it's what I've been kind of begging the Bucks for for you know their entire time in this run is they need a real pick and roll maestro a real Chris Paul ultimately someone who's going to score really efficiently and someone who um, can kind of run the pick and roll because one of the things I get I hear brought up I think Zach Lowe brought up is that um, everyone's talking you know Giannis is a screener, Giannis is a screener. The actual, the points per possession, whatever, for the Giannis screen and rolls aren't that amazing. And like watching it last night, I don't think it's that's on Giannis. I think it's on, they need more chemistry, like in the pick and roll. Like they need better 
to play better. And like Drew Holiday and Middleton need to maximize the pick and roll more. It's like Giannis is getting into positions. If there's people who can throw good lob passes, Giannis is going to score a lot of points, but they're not really doing it. And yeah, Drew Holiday did come alive and he's really been, um, I think he's been doing a lot for the team. I think he's been really good. He just, he's been inefficient and Middleton has been inefficient as well. Like they're both doing well, but they're not, you know, really forcing the issue as like, I'm the second best player. Drew's defense has been great. I think throughout this series. And I think on Sunday, um, you know, he was a big part of the reason why, why Booker struggled. I mean, I think Drew Booker went, Booker scored 10 points on what three of 14 shooting. Like, I got to give Drew a lot of credit there. He he played some great defense on Booker, and his defense was fine in games one and two. It was really good in game two, I thought. Uh, but yeah, it's just been on the offensive end that that we've needed to see him get it going. And as far as Middleton, like I don't think he played bad last night. Like he was he was dreadful in game two. Um, he had 18 points on Sunday on six of 14. He he started off well. I, I don't know if he he might have had 10 in the first quarter, something like that. But Phoenix mm-hmm. defended him really aggressively. Like it seemed like. Slowing down Middleton was a priority for Phoenix, and I think they, you know, they gave up a, a, a an all time great Finals game to Giannis uh, because they maybe didn't focus enough on 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 stopping Giannis, on putting more bodies on Giannis, on helping more on Giannis. So, you know, I think the Bucks will will live with that that defensive game plan all day. And as far as like the screen and roll stuff, like yeah, Giannis definitely he got a couple of buckets in Game Three off off a screen and roll, but it, I like it when he screens for Middleton and rolls. Like I almost like that better than, than the pick and roll with holiday. I think the Giannis Middleton one might be where it's at. You know, there was a couple that looked really good last night. I think where Giannis actually, I want to say he came off the baseline and, uh, and screened for Middleton, like on the wing and, and rolled. It was, it was kind of a good look anyway. Yeah. That was, that was a nice win for the bucks, man. The series is anybody's series at this point. It is, uh, that that was such a huge game, man. If Phoenix had won that game, it's over. Yeah, yeah the Bucks yeah, win was... it, and now it's I, I wouldn't even know who to pick. It's like a coin flip at this point. Yeah, at this point, I'm really un, unsure. Like right now, across three games, the Suns are plus three. Like that's how close they are. Wow, They're like one. Yeah, like it's a really really tight series. They're both really playing well in like you know my kind of relative plus minus the Bucks offense is doing well their defense is doing well same for the Suns like these teams they've been consistent like the Bucks offense has been quite lethargic at points but it's overall been a positive this playoffs and I think that's being driven up now by Giannis just like you say they're not defending him as they're not building a wall they don't really have the bodies to build a wall especially when Aiton's not playing like like you say like Jay Crowder is an amazing Giannis stopper but he needs someone who's not Frank Kaminsky next to him to stop Giannis. And that's just, that's not happening because like Cam Johnson can't do it. No. They don't really have the bodies. They just need bodies. It's like yeah. they had um they had a guy toward the end of the season. They had uh, Damian Jones. I think he was originally mm-hmm. a Golden State draft pick. I think he played with the Lakers after he was with Phoenix. I forget the order of that. I believe so. But not a very good player, but a seven footer mm-hmm. with a big body capable shown some flashes defensively just a guy like that even would be so huge for them right now they just don't have it they have nobody they have no size other than eight mm-hmm. uh and that's asking a lot of eight man not to get in foul trouble in this matchup against Giannis. it's an impossible ask and 
I mean, I think it's important to note, like as well as Milwaukee played, they did, and they deserve a ton of credit. And again, shout out to their awesome fans, Steve and the rest of them. Um, that was they, they were huge. But Booker was three of fourteen. Mikhail Bridges only scored four points after scoring twenty seven in Game Two, and then mm-hmm. Aiton was only on the court for twenty four minutes. Where I think, had he not been in foul trouble, that number would be probably in the high mid to high thirties anyway. Uh, probably for over forty if the game had been closer. So you got to take that into consideration that, you know, Chris Paul was, was good. And Jay Crowder had one of his better games of the playoffs. Cam Johnson was really good. Um, but Booker bridges, Aiton for all three of those guys to and Aiton played great when he was on the court. I thought, especially offensively, mm-hmm. he was, he was as good as he's been all playoffs, but again, he only played 24 minutes, which is, uh, is not ideal. And that's really like, if you can get Aiton into foul trouble and you're Milwaukee, you, you can beat this team. And so, that's going to be a, a really interesting thing to keep an eye on, like what what they do to make sure that doesn't happen. And I know a lot of people, a lot of conspiracy theorists will point to the refs, hey, it's game three, it's a 2-0 <laughs> deficit. Uh, a couple of those fouls were pretty ticky-tack on eight. And like, and and because that's one of those things where if you were like a conspiracy theorist or one of those people that talks about refs all the time, it's like, this is a situation where like you don't even have to have like a overall like one-sided whistle. You just have to make sure Aiden gets into foul trouble, and you pretty much ensure that the Bucks win. So if a ref were to decide this game, of course I'm not saying that's what happened at all. I really don't feel like that's what happened. I think I, I said this in the group, like the Bucks, the Bucks didn't even need Scott Foster last night. But if a ref were to try to determine the outcome of that of any game in this series, all you got to do is get Aiden in foul trouble. He is that key, as we keep saying over and over. But anyway, Phoenix can play a lot better than they did. Like they're those three guys aren't going to be. They're going to all be more productive, I think, going forward. But the, some of the adjustments Milwaukee made were really good. I think one that uh, that stuck out to me, and mainly because Steve brought it up on the last podcast we did, uh, was how the Bucks were overhelping, and they didn't do that as much in this game. It was more of like a, a sort of like show and recover rather than just this all out overhelping where they gave up the forty three point attempts where the Suns made twenty of them or whatever it was, something crazy like that. Uh, so they did a much better job, I think, um, kind of getting out on those shooters in this game and making those shots a little bit more difficult. So that was one adjustment that I noticed yeah. that Bud deserves some credit for. And then, yeah, man, the Giannis at five is just so nice. Like, it's what we've always all wanted to see. Like, how many times we've talked about this a million times, right? Like, mm-hmm. like we we love those lineups. We love that role for Giannis. Like, he was like a true center last night. I mean, he was yeah. he was just a big man. He was just a dominant around the basket player, and um. It was really cool to watch. Uh, and again, yeah, if Aiton's out there, you know, that could get a little problematic on the other end of the court. But man, when, especially when he's not out there, like Giannis's versatility defensively is so, so important. And uh, it's just a totally different look and a, a really nice version of the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, I think um, we were saying before we came on air that we want to kind of do like a um, an all playoffs kind of awards roundup i honestly think through the um the two and a half games i've seen like i think Giannis is probably actually the best defender in the world in that way like overall i do think because like he gets slated for you know not going one-on-one with chris paul it's like he's 611 to whatever pounds he is i mean it's listed 240 i don't believe he's less than like 260 270 like he is huge yeah and his his help defense, like along his backline defense and his help defense are just elite. Like he gets better to me every year defensively. And now I'm like, 
you compare that to someone like Rudy Gobert, um, Ben Simmons, who is amazing defensively, but can get played off the floor. Same with like Gobert, can get played off the floor. Joel Embiid is amazing, but again, he doesn't have the speed of Giannis. Like overall, I think Giannis is probably the best in the world. And yeah, we see that with um, the Bucks because like you say, they can close out the shooters, but is able to make that adjustment. And while there's not that incredible lob threat in Aiton, Giannis can just kind of cover everything else by himself. And that makes up so much difference for this team. To Yeah, I'm not sure who I still side with. I think ultimately I do side with the Suns just because the way I see it, like their top six guys like Crowder, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, Aiton, Booker, CP3, that's six guys that I think could realistically, all of them could be on the floor against any Milwaukee lineup. Like any lineup Milwaukee wanted to throw at them, I think all six of those guys could be on the floor if they wanted to be. For the Bucks side, I'm not so sure there is six guys. I'm not sure there's five guys. Like I think Giannis, Middleton, Drew, and Pat Connaughton are maybe the only guys who could run against any Suns lineup. And I'm going to be interested to see um, next game if they play a bit more brinksmanship with DeAndre Ayton, as in like, yes, Ayton's getting into foul trouble. You're not playing him. Like I don't. I think there's definitely more research that needs to be done into the concept of like, right, two quick fouls, get him out of the game. Right. It's like you're losing time with them on the floor, but it's to try to get more time with them later that you might not get. Like if they foul out, like I'm not sure, you know, what there's kind of a balance trying to be made. Like we're trying to not get you kicked out of the game by not playing you, which is like kicking you out of the game. Like I think there's got to be a balance there. And eventually they just kind of, because Aiton's averaging now like four fouls. So he's going to be at that line, I think, all series. Um, Giannis is getting like 15 free throws a game. So he's going to be forcing that front line into foul trouble. At what point do you just say, look, we're going to ride with Aiton. We're going to stick to our game plan with Aiton, regardless how many fouls he's getting. And if he goes out, we have this other adjustment. We go super small ball against the Bucks, and we see, you know, can we play Lopez and Tucker off the floor? You know, can we play Bobby Portis off the floor and force them to kind of go with yeah. like Jeff Teague and Connor and Drew and Middleton and Giannis as a lineup? I think, I think the lineup would be, because I do think, I think Milwaukee's got a lineup that could match up with any small ball lineup that Phoenix throws out there. And I think it's, it would be Giannis, PJ Tucker, Middleton, Connaughton, and Drew Holiday. Like that mm-hmm. five, I think, can match up with any small ball configuration that that Phoenix has. Look, man, the thing with eight, and you bring up an interesting point. I would like to see more research on that too. Like, because some of these coaching decisions, like when did he pick up his fourth foul? It was like at the very beginning of the third quarter. Like, I think 10, 11 minutes, something like that. And Monty held him out for, I believe, the rest of the quarter. And, uh, Look, man, I know that's sort of the conventional wisdom, but they uh, they got killed uh, mm-hmm. for most of that time. You know, they they definitely had it. They had a nice little chunk of of time where I think they cut it to uh, maybe even like six, and then Milwaukee just poured it on. You know, Giannis just going nuts, and um, yeah. and they never really got back in the game. But it's like, what if he had just left Aiton in? Yeah, I mean, like I think- you know what I mean. Okay, maybe he picks up his fifth late in the third. Like ultimately. I don't know. They might have been better off doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be it would be interesting to see. I don't know, man. It's tough. It's 
I really want to <laughs> say Phoenix, but mm-hmm. I, I just after game three, I'm just like, what if they just can't stop Giannis? Like, oh yeah, like you said, man, he's so much better than anybody else in this series. Yeah, like it's rare in recent years, I think, that there's been that big of a discrepancy or disparity, I should say, between mm-hmm. the best player in a series or the best player on one team versus the best player on another team. And like that shit matters. Like Phoenix is, I think, a better team, you know? I think they play better basketball, but having that guy that's head and shoulders above the rest, like that Michael Jordan type of guy, like I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think Michael had that gap in a couple of finals for sure against the other team's best player, but that's how it feels with with Giannis. And it's like the stuff he's been doing in games two and three, I feel like he could get whenever he wants. And I think that clicked. And I think Mm -hmm. he's realized that. And I think it's energized him. And that coupled with getting healthy, it's easy to forget, man. Like going into this series, people weren't sure if we weren't sure if Giannis was even going to play in the finals. He was injured. He had a knee injury. I feel like nobody thought he was going to play in game one. And a lot of people were unsure. A lot of the conversation was, oh, well, if if Giannis isn't going to be playing in the finals, Phoenix is going to roll him. Well, Giannis is going to play in every game. And now he looks better than ever. Like the thing that that popped to me with Giannis in game three, even as opposed to game two, in which he was also phenomenal, was like his just his quickness. Like we all know about Giannis's athleticism and his speed, like his long strides, his ability Mm -hmm. to dunk on people's faces. But like he had this little extra quickness last night where he was like, you know, he would get Crowder like off the elbow in an ISO Mm -hmm. and just boom, first step, blow by him. He did that a few times. Like he was as quick as I've ever seen him last night and like under control. It was beautiful, man. It was an all-time great finals game. You know, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. Like, well, first of all, as an individual game, that might be like a top 10 finals game ever. I don't know how many people have gone for like 41, 13 and six in a win, but can't be too many. And, um, and then, <laughs> and if he were to keep this up and they were to win the title, you're looking at like maybe a Mount Rushmore finals performance, honestly, not to be hyperbolic, but that could be what we're looking at. And not also not to get too far ahead of myself, but it's exciting to think about. No. Yeah. I mean, even if they lose, if he just keeps playing at this level, it's like he did as much as he could. It's very much reminiscent of kind of, LeBron versus the Warriors where yeah like the Warriors are just a better team but LeBron is like balling out for like 30 10 and 10 in all these series like yeah he's losing but like he's still people are gonna argue he's the best player in the world I can say that with Giannis I think he might be on the verge of his best series ever win or lose I think this is probably gonna end up being apart from maybe there's like a first round versus Detroit I'm forgetting about where he averaged 40 points or something. But in terms of these kind of clutch series, like Toronto in 2019, like Miami last year, Brooklyn this year, you know, Atlanta, like this is by far his best performance, I think. And like you say, yeah, like there were a lot of times when I was watching game three and game two where he's kind of, he's got the ball about 20, 20 feet kind of at the elbow, like just a bit back on the elbow. And he's kind of in an ISO and he blows by the guy, like he blows by Jay Crowder and just gets to the rim. And obviously, like you say, it's like, you know, Mikael Bridges rotating over. Mikael Bridges is an awesome defender. He is like stick thin. Giannis Giannis ragdolled him a few times last night. It's just like, you can't do anything. I don't care who you are. You can't do anything if you're, you know, if you're that small. And 
That's the yeah. thing, man. If Gian, like, cause Giannis, like Giannis kills teams without blowing by players, mm-hmm. but, and I don't know, maybe Crowder was playing him too tight. You know, maybe you'd rather he just take a jump shot from yeah. there or maybe, maybe, maybe Crowder isn't thinking he can, he's going to blow by him, but he did. Yeah. And when Giannis blows by his man, it's over. It's mm-hmm. over. I don't care who's under the rim. Uh, so that was, man, that was, that was good to see. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's what it's, it's exactly what you want to see from like the best players in the league. Like I've been rooting for the Bucks. Unlike Steve has been rooting for the Italians because I'm a fucking team player. <laughs> Fuck you, Steve. I've been rooting for the Bucks to take this. <laughs> I've been rooting for them to take this because I just want to see Giannis build that kind of real top 20 player, like that Dirk, that Hakeem kind of legacy where, you know, he's won these MVPs. He's won these finals. Like I want to see Giannis do it. Maybe, maybe Jay Crowder is a step slower than he is. He's 30 years old now. Like it might well be that, you know, he's just half a step slower than he was last year with the Miami Heat and that, you know, they try to line him up one-on-one with Giannis and Giannis is just quicker than him now. Like Giannis is just too, too fast, too strong. His move, he's kind of rounded out his game a little bit. There are a few like kind of in the post fadeaway jumpers that went down that didn't look bad. Like Giannis is like, if he can just play like that, like have a couple post moves, cool. yeah. be able to blow by his, like whoever they want to match him up. Cause he's a matchup nightmare. If he can just, if he can just be slightly quicker than the guy lining up with him, then it really doesn't matter who you have as your rim protector. Cause he's just going to go over their head. No. Yeah. And, and honestly, most of the time, you know, he was just, just getting in, getting position, catching the ball and, and going up and getting fouled and, and a few times making the layup as well last night. And, um, you know, it, it just looked easy again. And, and and we should probably give him a shout out for his free throw shooting. He shot 13 out of 17 at the line. I think he was 12 of 15 through three quarters. Like he, uh, he got into mm-hmm. a nice rhythm. And when that starts happening, good luck. And yes. we saw it through a good stretch of this season. I had him on a couple of my fantasy basketball teams. So it was much to my delight when he got into a good rhythm from with his free throw shooting and was certainly over 70% for at least a couple months there. And, uh, I think he was about, you know, 75, 76% last night, whatever that was. If he can keep that up, that is going to be a real problem because your only hope really defending him is fouling him and hoping he mm-hmm. misses his free throws. Not that you have a lot of fouls to go around if you're Phoenix, but you know, you're in a tough spot there. I just feel like I feel like momentum and this is, you know, obvious I guess the Bucks did win yesterday, but I feel like momentum is really on their side. Like more than just they won game 3 their first game at home. Like it's more than that. Um yeah. They've figured some things out. Giannis is playing the best basketball of his life, the smartest mm-hmm. basketball of his life. His passing was really good. We should probably talk about that too. Like he, um, especially I think in the first quarter, he had like at least four just beautiful mm-hmm. dimes of all types. Like he did it, he making some really good reads. Like there was there was one play where he was about to attack the rim, and I think out of the corner of his eye, he saw. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it was Drew's man, Drew, who was a little bit behind him on the perimeter. Drew's man kind of stumbled, and I think he read it out of the corner of his eye and and made it quickly audible and kicked it out to Drew or whoever it was for an open three. But just like just smart reads like that, he was just in in total command last night, and you could just see it, man. Like he's feeling healthy, he's feeling good, and as I've said on quite a few occasions now, like he he wants this better than anybody, probably even better than Chris Paul. Like Giannis wants this so bad. Giannis is yeah. so hungry for an NBA championship and now he can taste it. It's right there. And uh, I don't know, man, if I was putting money on the series right now, I'd have to probably put my money on the bucks. I'm rooting for the Suns, 
But if I had to put money on it, I'd probably, and I'm not trying to jinx your boys, Steve. I'm definitely not trying to jinx your boys. <laughs> but uh, Phoenix is banged up, man. Like they really missed Charich last night. Yep. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, that big body. It's gonna yeah, be. I- it's gonna go six or seven, I think. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, again, I don't. I'm not sure a home team will lose. But we'll see if uh, if if Giannis can yeah. can defy that in in a in a potential game seven. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm just on that. Yeah. I I love some of Giannis um, kick ahead passes last night i think there was one two like on in transition he got it to drew like from about half court drew into the corner mm-hmm. and um it was just swish and there was another one where driving kicking to i believe i believe it was middleton in the corner the same corner and that was just yeah he's been playing really well he's been passing well without turning the ball over which has been one of Giannis's issues and yeah like his free throw shooting like he was shooting like 55 percent against atlanta like 50 percent against Brooklyn but now in this series right now he's at 66% and for listeners out there like a couple handy kind of hacker shack um stats it's like 60% is like the Mendoza line like if you're shooting below 60% hack them if they are shooting 60% you probably don't hack them if they're shooting 66% like two-thirds of theirs are going in like stop, just stop hacking them, stop fouling them because it's a bad, bad proposition. And right now Giannis is shooting exactly 66% and he's getting about like 15 fouls per game, 16 fouls per game. So, and then you combine that, like you can't keep doing this because these are like their half court sets where they're getting, you know, 1.2 points, 1.3 points per possession. They're really fucking good in transition and they're going to generate more like efficiency and transition. So when like you're making like the floor of a possession, Giannis taking a free throw and he's shooting them at like 60%, you're really, you're giving the Bucks like extra offensive juice on that end. And you can't, you can't be doing that because the Bucks are too good of a defense for you to give up that kind of differential on them. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how they bounce back, how Monty Williams adjusts to Bud's adjustments and to um, Aiton's kind of fouling because he is being foul prone, like I said, averaging about four per game. Where at certain points, are you do you just let it ride and you're just like, look, we're going to lose with Aiton out there, or are we going to come up with other solutions and try to force, you know, other of the um, Brooklyn players off the floor? Are we just going to play four on five defense and leave PJ Tucker? in the corner by himself because no one's going to give it to him and he's going to miss anyway. I don't know. We'll see how Monty Williams chooses to adjust going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Aiton's not a foul prone guy, you know, generally, if you look at his fouls on the season, he's, he's really good about that. He's got great body control. He's very athletic. He's, you know, he's quick. Uh, So Mm -hmm. generally that's not an issue with him, but you know, this is Giannis you're dealing with. He's, he's a nightmare, man. And we're, we're Mm -hmm. finally seeing him at his best. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like there's always been so much frustration around Giannis, the player, especially in the postseason. And um, that has been non-existent the last two games, even though they lost game two. I mean, that was still one of the better playoff performances I've seen. And then he was even better in game three. And like, I don't know, I get this weird sense that he could be even better in game four. I, again, man, it's just there's there's a certain a distinct momentum that the Bucks have behind them right now, and, and especially Giannis. And um, man, he can taste this thing, and he's he's going to be giving it his all, and, and and really just doing whatever it takes to win. And and that's he knows how he has to play against this team in this matchup. That's the thing with a playoff series, man. You figure stuff out, and mm-hmm. 
Giannis is figuring out how to beat this team, how to guard them. I mean, his switchability has been on full display. Um, like you said, man, I, I'm with you. I think he's the best defensive player on the planet. I meant to agree with you on that before. <laughs> uh, he wasn't my pick for DPOY this year, but I do, th- I, I do think he is the best defensive player in the world. No, I mean, yeah, his, his length, his versatility, his rim protection—like he, he does it all. Um, yeah. It's truly yeah, yeah. incredible. But uh, it's like I think I said that when we when we gave it to Rudy Gobert, and you were like, "I'm an R," and like, I don't know, I like, I don't like this pick. It's like I think I said. I can't. I think I said Ben Simmons, but I meant it as like kind of generally. I could totally see we get to the end of the playoffs and someone else is clearly the best defensive player in the world yeah. ahead of Rudy Gobert. There you go. And yeah, I think yeah, I said it was Ben Simmons. I mean, Ben Simmons might be still. Ben Simmons was awesome defensively. He was Just, my pick for DPOY. I thought he was the best defensive player in the league this regular season. Um, but I think, uh, I think Giannis is that guy you were talking about that just mm-hmm. at the end of the playoffs, we look back and yeah, he's the best defensive player in the world. Like no doubt about it. He, he's been, yeah. he's been so he's good, been especially the last couple of games. Yeah. And he's so like maniacally focused. Like he really has that, like, like he's more of a, like guys like Kobe and LeBron to an extent and Jordan, they're definitely more finesse than Giannis, but Giannis, he has that, like, just, I will run through a brick wall. Uh, yeah, I definitely see, and CP3 is like that as well, but I don't think I've seen many players as kind of just outright determined as yeah. Giannis is. And his career arc proves that. Like, he came yeah. in, he had, like, for all, for the great players of in history, he probably had the worst rookie season, and, like, through three years was probably the worst player out of all of them. And look at him now. Like... Yeah, he's a multi-time MVP, DPOY. He's 26 years old. Now he's in the finals. But it's like, now, um, how? what will this do for his spot on on your ladder? Like, if he, <laughs> um, <laughs> if he were to win this finals and say kind of like keep up this level of play and win finals MVP, like is he a top 30 player? I think I looked at it right now. I think assuming they lose, he's like 42nd, which bear in mind, it skews towards – age excuse towards you know by the time you're 35 cumulative that's so. yeah cumulative you know he reaches you know 20,000 25,000 30,000 points all that kind of stuff that stuff that happens like to Carmelo recently right you know like that so there's going to be a skew towards the end of his career as he accuse accrues like 10 all NBA teams you know however many like seven all NBA first teams all that kind of stuff but right now at 26 years old if they won I believe he would jump to like 32nd, which is like the same range as like Rick Barry. Like they'd be jumping over Rick Barry at 26 years old, which is like, like, I don't know, like LeBron, I'm sure did that as well. I don't have it going back that far, but when you look at guys like, you know, John Stockton, isn't he'd be jumping over like Dwayne Wade, Steve Nash, Isaiah Thomas. And he'd be like right behind guys like Charles Barkley and Scottie Pippen. Like that's the kind of tier we're talking about here yeah. with Giannis. At, I mean, if, yeah. if he were to win a title, it's like how many guys have won a title, multiple MVPs and a DPOY before age 27. It's like, come on, man. Uh, he's an all time great. And it's like, yeah. And yeah. And I think like, like you said, with that being cumulative, like this, just even a title now and assuming he sort of keeps up the career trajectory he's on, you know, it pretty much locks him into being like a top 15, 20 player of all time. I think at, at minimum when it's all said yeah. and done, probably yeah, higher. Would, yeah. I would say like if he actually won this year and then went on to have a couple more rings, maybe another MVP, make all NBA, all defensive teams for, you know, his prime. Yeah. I think top 15 is kind of the floor. 
for him. I mean, yeah. I think I think top twenty is almost the floor for him now, assuming no injuries, assuming yeah. he plays out his career as it is. Like yeah, for yeah, sure. I, think, I agree. Like, I, I think so. Know, and I mean, going to be better than like David Robinson. I think so. When it's all said and yeah, done. I think he'll end up having a better career than David Robinson. That's saying a lot because David Robinson's like a borderline top twenty player. I mean, definitely top twenty five. Mm-hmm. I'd say for me. Yeah. Um, and like you said, man, like Giannis isn't Giannis isn't going anywhere. Like Giannis isn't going to slack off. Giannis isn't going to just be content. Like mm-hmm. get it, get his big his big extension, his big payday, and uh, and just just kind of slack off. Like no, he's he's got that Kobe kind of mentality. And the the issues with Giannis has always been like deficiency in his game, like mm-hmm. shooting. Namely, the issue with him has never been motivation or like hunger or like dog, however you want to put it. Um, mm-hmm. That dude is is as motivated as anybody, other than maybe Jordan and Kobe, to be like the best ever. Like that's what he wants. He wants to be as good as he can be. And with a guy with his kind of physical uh, and natural basketball talent. That's scary. And and I think we're just kind of he's just kind of hitting his his peak, right? I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about that on that podcast, the the peaks and primes and it's like he's kind of just mm-hmm. entering it, right? Like he's got we've got a few a few crazy years coming up here with Giannis assuming that that historical trend holds true. No, yeah, it's like with Giannis though, I think there's so much variability. Like I explained this to someone before because I said it like 27 to 29 is kind of the peak now. But like you see like super athletic players, like super athletic wings, like worthy, you know, et cetera. A lot of bigs like Dwight Howard, they tend to skew more like 24, 25, 26 as their prime. And then the average, like say is 27 to 29. But then you get guys like Hakeem who came to basketball later, where it's more like 30, 31, 32. So like, and Giannis kind of fits all that. Like he's mm-hmm. hyper athletic, but he came to basketball late. So it's like, it's kind of how much skill can he accumulate over time? Because if it's true, then yeah, maybe 31 ends up being like, we say, yeah, he's not hyper-athletic Giannis anymore, but it's the best version of Giannis type of thing. You know who he kind of reminds me of physically that I just thought of talking about this is David Robinson. (laughs) Yeah. Physically, like from an athletic, physical standpoint, being able to move like that at his size. Like I think Robinson's a pretty good comp for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, and yeah, I mean no, David no, Robinson no. was was a was a very good player uh into his early 30s at least before injuries kind of caught up with him and you know thankfully Giannis has been very durable so far in his career and like I, yeah it will just see how he develops his game um if he can like Hakeem Hakeem had sort of this slow mastery of the game where it really came together when he was like 31 32 yeah. and um that could happen with Giannis you know like if he I mean, he's got a lot he can add still, but mm-hmm. as is, he's he's pretty damn good. So, yeah. So we'll see if he can actually uh, if he can carry them over the line here. Like, a, but this is big happens. for his legacy. This is big. Yeah. This like if he like the difference between winning and losing this finals is it's big for anybody. Yeah. But for a guy like Giannis that has so much upside, I guess in terms of mm-hmm. all time ranking, all time standing, all time greatness, a guy with that much upside and a guy that's got that much. Uh, baggage in the form of criticism and questions behind him. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a big swing here. I wouldn't hold it against him. If they just, they force a game seven, you know, no team gives up home field advantage. Yeah. I wouldn't hold it against him. I'd say, you know what? You know, it's one of the great power forward finals performance ever. I told you before, 
it compares like my top four, I think that are very clear are like Duncan 2003, Duncan 99, Barkley 93 and Dirk 2011. He compares very, very favorably to all of them. Yeah, like he's right. he is, yeah. he's right there. And like, yeah, like for me, he might already be in terms of like peak, peak level, he might already be right, right there with like Duncan and Garnett as like the best power forward to ever live. Like at his peak, peak level, it's, it's a, it's really close. I right. Think, if I we're think. just talking about peaks, he's yeah. definitely like how, got it. He's, he's better than Carl Malone. Yeah. Like how he's playing right now. Carl Malone, I don't think ever really sniffed no, that level. No, 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 no. Not even close, to be honest, now that I think about it. And then, yeah, it's, we start talking about, like, where is he on the all-time power forward rankings? And it's like, if we consider AD a power forward, has Giannis surpassed him? Like, there's some fun – that's why these yeah. kind of players are so exciting. And that's why these conversations will never die because mm-hmm. it's exciting, man. It really is. Like, that. Yeah. this is – you know, to see these yeah. guys build their legacies and – uh, and put their names among all these other all-time greats. Like it, it really is. You can say it's played out, or it's subjective, or it's you know um, distorted by era. But they're they're fun conversations, and Giannis is definitely uh, injecting himself into those conversations now. But we'll have to see how the rest of this goes. But I'm I'm feeling pretty good about him, man. I think he's I think he's got them figured out. And the thing is, like, if they were to lose a game seven, I, I wouldn't hold it against him, assuming he keeps playing at this level because then it's like what more could he have done but at the same time this is a great opportunity like Mm -hmm. because they can beat this Suns team it's as simple as that it's not taking anything away from the Suns you know how I feel about them I freaking love them I think they're awesome Um, Mm -hmm. but the Bucks can beat them and Giannis knows that and so I do think anything short of a finals victory here is it's going to be a massive disappointment because this isn't like they're going up against the 2017 Warriors okay like Phoenix is a great team. I think they were arguably the best team in the NBA all season this season, but they're beatable, especially by the Bucks, mm-hmm. the way they match up. So, it's, no, totally. I think it's big. I did look at this Suns team in terms of like I looked at in kind of the last forty years of finalists. Assuming they maintained what they're doing now, they go on to win in six, seven, whatever. I think I looked. I think just input it. They ranked like. 23rd out of the last 40 champions so they're like a you know know, they're like a middle of the road championship team like a solid like there are a lot of teams that you know are worse than them even in recent history like you could argue are they better than the toronto raps in the 2019 maybe i don't know are they better that one's pretty close yeah are they you know the 2011 mavs you know the um 2006 heat all these type of teams like yeah they're, they're a solid finals team, but they're not a super juggernaut. And Giannis is a juggernaut player. We're just going to see. It's going to be, you know, epic. No matter what happens, it's going to be epic. Seeing CP3, one of the great underrated players, I think, in NBA history, lift his first ring, you know, really shut everyone up to the level he is. Or Giannis cement his legacy as like, I'm already one of the great players to ever live. Like no matter what happens, it's going to be, I'm just so excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes this so fun. And, um, and, and no matter what happens, Tori Craig gets a ring. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) if he wants it, I believe he's technically eligible. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but that's the word on the street. Um, (laughs) So yeah, no, it's, it's a, Hey man, it's, it's, I always thought this had the potential to be like a really, really fun series. And so far it's certainly lived up to that. And I can't wait to see how Phoenix responds in game Mm -hmm. four. 
which will be happening Wednesday night. I think Steve will be in the building for that one too. So maybe we'll get his, well, we'll get his reaction to it one way or another. Oh, that's yeah. for sure. But um, you want to get out of here, man? Keep this one under an hour. Can we let's, do it? Can we do it? That would be a first, I think, for us. Yeah, well, let's 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 go for it, man. Let's let's, let's it. wrap it up. Um, I think our next uh, our next full episode, I believe, we're going to be doing some kind of all playoff teams. Um, you know, yeah. first team, second team, third team, maybe even some awards. We'll talk about some of the best performers, some of the uh, real up and comers that we've seen in these playoffs. I think that'll be a fun episode. So that's what we talked about beforehand. And I think we're leaning toward doing that on Sunday if Steve's cool with it. But but we'll oh, see. Yeah. And then we'll definitely have Steve back though uh, next week. Well, I can't say definitely. I don't know the final schedule. I know if he's at, if he's got to go to a game that day, you know that could. But that's a uh, I don't know. It's a very reasonable yeah, excuse for, for not being here. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I think. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm happy. You, I'm, I'm I'm so happy for Steve. Man, he got to go to his his first finals game ever last mm-hmm. night, and like, uh, I, I'm I'm genuinely honored to to know him and to be his friend uh, while the Bucks are in the finals with with a chance here to to win their first ring in like 50 years. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to know Steve during this time. It really is. You it know? is, but it is, but he also hurt my feelings. So fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, man. All right. Well, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, it, yeah. thank, th- thanks Jacob. And uh shout out to Steve and uh, thanks everybody for listening. We're going to get out of here. Y'all have a great week. We will talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you.